This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together and so much to talk about. I'm not sure how much you're watching, but you boy, oh boy, you ought to be watching closely this Tucker Carlson situation. And what you need to know, we'll talk about in a moment, is what it means to have a non-denial denial from the NSA of all people. I mean, it's an incredible statement that was issued by the NSA and you really have to pause and um, wonder. So we'll get to that in a moment. Don't forget, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Please go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, go ahead and sign up for the daily email, which goes out to you each morning at 8 a.m. And also, please get uh, clued in uh, there to all these great interviews we've had. We had some great interviews in the last month or so, and we post them all over there with a standalone link so you can listen to them, pass them on to your friends and others. So, all right, so have you followed this story, right? So let's get the context of this first. Um, in the last decade, we have had the situation where there was, of course, the Edward Snowden leaks and the also the Julian Assange and the WikiLeaks. And we've also had, of course, which seems to slip by, but we had John Brennan, the director of uh, intelligence, the intelligence agencies, is that that phrase, uh, in front of Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul and the Senate saying directly, oh, we don't gather any intelligence on American citizens. And then later admitting that they do. And somehow he says he didn't lie. Now, you can be charged with lying to the to the Congress. And that's what happened to Roger Stone. Um, he got charged with lying to the Congress. You're going to be charged with that. And so, of course, what is Brennan? No, Brennan's got a big contract with NBC. And he appears on MSNBC and NBC Meet the Press. And nobody ever held him accountable. So we had, and, he, and one of the things, that, what he was talking about actually was the NSA, that John Brennan uh, story, uh, the uh, interview, the um, discussion, what the, the lie was about what the NSA was doing. Okay, so next we have... And we have WikiLeaks, we have Ed Snowden, we have uh, Brennan lying, and we have the FISA application from the FBI, which is not the NSA directly, but it is in the secret court, right? It's a secret court that for national security purposes, you can go before and, uh, and get the permission to listen to the American citizens. And now we come forward and we have just a couple nights ago, Tucker Carlson saying uh, that he got a tip from an informant that said the NSA has been listening in on his electronic communications and also is getting ready to cause him trouble so he'd go off the air. Now, first of all, let me say this. I assume that the federal intelligence and probably foreign intelligence is listening to most of everybody's communications, to be honest, whether they're doing it honestly, uh, within the law, or they're doing it for some national security, they can come up with a pretext for why they have to do it. And they're doing it. That's what I believe. So that's not a surprise. What a surprise is, the surprise is that there was a link, excuse me, a leak, and a whistleblower saying this to him. But here's where it gets really wild. Because if you're a congressman, don't you think they're listening to you? If you're a major media player, don't you think they're listening to you? Let me be honest. I think they're listening to me. My electronic correspondence, I assume that somebody's looking into all that. I just assume at this point in our history, you just can't escape the surveillance state. That's my instinct about it. And frankly, I operate accordingly. I have periodically said something on the on the telephone with a close friend and caught myself in the middle of describing something about someone or someone's conduct or opinion and thought to myself, I probably shouldn't say this because 
it's pretty certain that they're listening. And if they have it as a tape, somebody could put it out. And and by the way, once that happens, don't you think that most sort of big time people are compromised? I don't know Tucker Carlson, so let's not pick Tucker Carlson. Let's pick like, let's pick Chuck Todd or Jake Tapper. Isn't it possible that if you had a, let me say it differently. Let's say you have a hundred of the top media professionals. Don't put names on them. The top personalities who are known to the world. What are the chances that of the top hundred, there's not one or two that are engaging in not illegal, so legal conduct that would still be embarrassing? Let's call it gambling on NBA games that for their, because their buddies do it. Let's call it looking at uh, naughty pictures. Let's say that they're talking, uh, flirting with their ex-girlfriend even though they're married. I just got to think of a hundred, some percentage, three or four or five percent, are going to do something that's legal and embarrassing. Now, some percentage, by the way, is probably doing something illegal, but I don't want to speculate on that. I just want to say, once you have that, and once you say, well, isn't it likely that there's been some reason to listen in on them? Isn't that possible? We had the Trump administration looking for some phone records on, I think, New York Times writers. We had the, um, the Obama administration actively and, you know, investigating and, 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 uh, and prosecuting leakers and trying to seek the records of a journalist. So my point is, that's, that seems to me that that's happening. Now, when Tucker says that the NSA has a plan to get rid of him, you say, well, this is up a notch, right? This is a series. This is up a notch. This looks like it's more significant. And here's where it gets incredible. Because let me explain. I've told my children this. If you do something wrong and you get caught, the best avenue is to tell the truth, right? Just to say, oh, yeah, Dad, you know, I was watching a movie uh, last night. I told you that I went to bed. I stayed up and watched a movie. I think that happened with my daughter a few months ago, a specific instance. And she didn't want, I said, well, what movie? And she said, oh, I was watching this and that. And I said, you know, I'm pretty sure I can figure out what movie it was. Better just to tell me, right? Just come clean and tell me. So there's something about, by the way, if you do something wrong and you, you're just better off to admit it, or, and especially here's where it's important, if you didn't do it, then you need to say, I didn't do it. In other words, don't say, you know, kind of, well, people watch movies, but I didn't do it. No, just say, I didn't do it. I never did it. I mean, hey, this is a little bit of advice for people if you want to actually, you know, um, live with other human beings. And especially if you want to not be suspect all the time. Someone says, did you uh, murder that person? You don't say, well, you know, people get murdered all the time. I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know why people would get murdered. Do you know why people get murdered? I, don't, I just don't believe people should get murdered. No, you say, me? Murder? No way. I didn't do anything. The NSA's statement after they were confronted, I think they were confronted by the attention of the Tucker Carlson report, was that something like, there, Tucker Carlson has made an allegation that we had a listen to his electronic correspondence and had a plan to, uh, take, him off, to, to uh, take him off the air, and we deny all of that. What's that? We, we, basically, they denied the broad uh, uh, concept of all this other stuff. They didn't say they weren't listening to him. And they went on to say, and by the way, I'm, I'm slightly mischaracterizing it. I'm not re saying it well enough. They went on to say something like, we only look at things when we have a court order anyway. But that doesn't mean they don't have a court order in this case, because it would be secret. So their denial was an explanation, not a denial. Their denial included this sort of re reference to the fact that he said that we were looking at listening to his electronic correspondence in, in the hopes of taking him off the air. We didn't do that. Wait a second. Are you just listening to his uh, electronic correspondence? Are you, just are you just in on them? And then they said, we want a quarter. They didn't say, didn't do it. They did not come out and say, didn't do it. And if they couldn't say, didn't do it, they should have never said anything. 
They should have just not bothered to say anything. It would be better to say, we don't comment on accusations about people, uh, you know, people saying this or that. We have no comment. Because their explanation was a half measure that sounded like they were go they were actually doing something. And here's the thing. In what kind of world are we living where the media doesn't see that response and immediately say, that was a non-denial denial? That was a qualified denial that says something else is going on. Let's get to the bottom of it. And the reason why is because the viewpoint of Tucker is the one that the mainstream media, the fake news, the big tech, they want to shut that down. And they're desperately looking for a reason to shut it down. And had had Tucker taken it on incorrectly, or frankly, if Tucker, the other thing is, if Tucker lied about it, and the NSA could say, we deny it, we never did it, it's never happened, he's lying, the informer's lying, then I would say there's a real dispute to say, oh, well, why, if Tucker said that, then why is Tucker not on, why is Tucker off the air? He should be off the air. And he's saying things that aren't true, but the NSA didn't say that. And they should have said nothing. And we're in a spot where we're getting more and more confusion among our agencies, you know, Christopher Ray was before I told you this a few days ago, Christopher Ray last week, I think it was uh, maybe a Thursday ago, maybe five or six days ago, I, th- I think it was he was in testimony. And he said, well, January 6th, there was no insurrection. That wasn't an insurrection. Well, wait, that's the FBI. But meanwhile, the FBI is arresting people. They arrested another grandma two days ago for for they think that she said, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reporting on what the characterization of the arrest was. She said she went past the barriers and therefore they said she knew their barriers were there for a reason and that she was trespassing. And so she had to be arrested. This is insanity. This is insanity. And what you need to know is when the NSA and the CIA and others aren't shooting straight when the top level people from those places, Clapper and Brennan and, you know, the FBI got that deputy director, Fugazi or whatever, when they all leave government service and go spout out opinions. And you saw it the worst with uh, with um, the um, the uh, um, Russia gate, Russia, Russia, Russia. You just can't trust them. It's a terrible thing. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Our next guest, uh, very helpful timing, very helpful timing. Our next guest is Robert Kahn. He has a master's degree in education. That would be good enough. He also was a deputy sheriff, if I'm getting it right. And uh, he has a series of books. I was telling everyone, sir, uh, in the in the open that it is a perfect timing. Summer's coming on us today. Is I think the uh, what is it? The twenty first of June is the first day of summer, and the first full day is tomorrow. So, uh, and Robert Kahn has developed a some uh, tools how how you can how you can protect your child from strangers and bullies. And I'll put up on social media his website. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. First, let me ask you this broad question. Has has things gotten worse now, or is it every period of time you sort of feel like you're at the worst time? Um, I think this is an endless problem. There doesn't seem to be one year that's more than the other. Um, mm-hmm. These tips are, in, in all my books, are good for whether it be 1999, 2021, or... 2031 mm-hmm. they're, they're timeless they're pretty well perfected 
they were all from programs I taught. Mm-hmm. So we're t- again, we're talking uh, with uh, Robert Kahn and the books. I'm looking on the website, uh, the Bobby and Mandy Safety Series. Uh, okay, so what's the what's the best one for right now? We're going into the summer. Is it you know careful of strangers? You know, a lot of kids will be in different settings, so they'll be at a camp or they'll be playing in a, a different you know a, a, not in the schoolyard but in someplace else. Is that the best sort of um, one or you know a valuable one to talk about right now? Um, that's the one that sells the most, but they're all valuable. I have good touch, bad touch. I have don't hide abuse. I have, uh, Mm -hmm. too smart for bullies. Yeah. They're all good at this time of the year. Stranger strangers are, are scary because they have lots of times to think about the trick they're going to try to get a child to lure them with. Mm Mm-hmm. And that book is called Too Safe for Strangers, right? That's one of the books that we're looking at. Them. There's other ones, uh, Too Smart for Bullies. I like that one, too. Uh, as you mentioned, Good Touch, Bad Touch, Don't Hide Abuse. Okay, so what's the what's the most, uh, you know, again, you taught these as a, a deputy sheriff and as an educator now, too. Um, you, you know this stuff. What's the, um, what's the factors at, that make things more likely? Ignorance of kids, uh, new environment, uh, lack of supervision. What is it? Give me some ideas on what to sort of watch for. I think the main key is whenever a child goes somewhere, always let their parents know where they're going and to call them when Mm -hmm. they get there. Because what happens in, luckily my book spoiled all the attempts, but what happens in the attempts, the parents didn't usually know where they were or the child was by himself. The best thing, of course, is if you can go somewhere with a friend or two. That seems to mm-hmm. deter people. Is the um, all right? So, and in the summer, uh, but but nowadays, people, kids have cell phones. Are the are the cell phones useful enough in the sense that um, they they will protect you? I mean, I, I I hate to say it, but you can track most everything, right? or, or are the bad guys onto that too. Um, the cell phone is good, but the problem is, if a child gets taken, by the time people realize they've been taken. They can be miles away. I mean, in the town I live in, every way out of here is a highway. And so they can be miles away before anything really is notified. Yeah. All right. So now uh, I'm I'm uh, let's say I'm running um, I'm running a camp or I've got a, a church camp. What's the best? Uh, what? T- give me the tools. Tell me. Tell me the tools that you recommend people uh, be- people kind of get clued into. And, and and how would you do it? I mean, a lot of people are starting even with homeschooling. Everyone's starting their home homeschooling. Um, you know, there's a lot of attention on lots of stuff. Uh, what's walk us through how you would say be thoughtful and not and not also drive kids crazy. Right. We got kids that are afraid of covid or afraid of this afraid of that we don't want to make them nuts either right well that's true probably one of the best tips is strangers adults need nothing from children they need to ask other adults they don't need children Mm -hmm. puppy they don't need children to help them find their lost child i mean whatever the stranger dreams up they should be talking to adults Children do not have to talk to people they don't know. They're not being rude. They're being safe. Right, right. That boy, that's a great one. 
That's because that's what you hear, right? You hear people say, oh, yeah, you know, I need help. What they say to a little kid. Can you give me directions? A little kid doesn't have directions anyway. That should be the sort of number one thing. Um, okay. Well, again, we're talking with uh, Robert Kahn, and uh, I'll put his website up. Uh, it's bobbyandmandy.com is where his books are. Um, again, let me – I hate to dwell on this, but are we are we at a time where because of the, um, the uh, you know, the the fact that there are more strangers I, – I, when, I, when I was a boy on my block – there were only one, maybe, let's see, uh, two, four, six, eight, ten, fifteen, maybe fifteen houses on our block. It was a horseshoe. And only one or two over decades, maybe my whole childhood, ever changed. So we knew everybody. You knew if there was a weird car, you knew it. And now, as much as everybody moves and as things change, almost everybody's a stranger. I mean, that's a big difference, isn't it? Yes, it is. And you're right. Times have changed. I mean... When I grew up, it was safe to play out in the street at night and not be fearful. Exactly. Now you have right. to be aware. So, yeah, things are different, a lot different than when you and I grew up. Yeah, and I guess the other thing is uh, one good thing about you mentioned earlier is telling children, hey, um, you know, call, call when you get somewhere is nowadays. I remember when I was a kid, again, you'd call when you got there meant if you arrived at somebody's house, you know, and you let's say we're going out to play. And then my parents would say, you can go ahead and play and you go over to the Schwartz's house. They were like, I don't know, you know, a half a mile away. When we got there to call and say we were there safe, I had to ask Mrs. Schwartz to use her phone. Now you got phones, right? People can text. People can do you can even do uh, find an iPhone or trackers or whatever. So. So in some sense, it's safer or it's easier to stay in touch. What about the um, what about the problem of um, and I, I, I can say this out of my own experience of um, overbearing parents who are like looking over their kids shoulders so much so that you run the risk of having the kid, you know, look to get away from it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I, I, my, I get my daughter, I say, you know, you have your phone because I want to track you down. I want to be able to, and if I, I was her at some point, I'd probably be like, I'm sick of my dad tracking me down. I mean, there's this kind of catch 22 about technology. And that's true. But the children want to be wanted. I mean, and, and that's what gets them in trouble with strangers. You know, the tr- the stranger needs a favor while the child wants to help. So I don't think that's a real issue. I think children appreciate their parents wanting to know where they are and, and being um, protective. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I think so. I guess I'd say, well, we, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't let my I shouldn't be talking about myself. Okay, uh, again, Robert Kahn, uh, tell me another thing about this uh, situation. You mentioned bullies. I mean, bullies. It feels like everybody had everybody had the experience. I think growing up of feeling inadequate versus somebody else, and somebody being a jerk. So was that bullying? I guess it was. We got a lot of attention on bullying, and it's true. You don't want bullying past a certain point, but you also, kids got to grow up, right? Sometimes you're the bully. Sometimes I don't, I, I don't mean this totally. Sometimes you're the bully, meaning sometimes you're the one that has an advent, advantage on the schoolyard, and other time you don't. That's not quite the same as being a bully, right? So is there a danger that anybody uh, who's acting like a bunch of boys or a bunch of, I don't know, uh, 10-year-olds is going to be called a bully? And, and then do we run into trouble where, I don't know, the, the schools are involved in, in deciding to regulate everything? How, how does that balance go? When, when I first started realizing there was a bully problem, it was kind of a um, new territory. Now a lot of school districts have bullying programs. Probably the biggest secret is don't keep it a secret children are bullied and they're scared 
sustain you. Well, that's wrong. You have to tell trusted adults. And if the first trusted adult doesn't believe you, talk to somebody else until they do, because keeping it a secret is only hurting you. I mean, people have scars from years ago because they were bullied and they didn't tell anybody. Mm hmm. That's great advice. See, that's why you're doing this. All right, well, Robert Kahn, appreciate it very much. Again, the website I'm looking at right now, bobbyandmandy.com, a whole series of books and really good advice. If you go there, you can see uh, all the different uh, ways that uh, Robert Kahn, he can come and speak at your places. He can do interviews. Uh, it is uh, that's, that's a great answer. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time, and uh, we'll hope for a safe and happy summer. Thank you very much, sir. Okay, thank you. And, and on the first page of my uh, website is a video which explains the five main books. So people should take Great. the two men watch that. Okay. I'll make sure they do. Thanks very much, sir. We'll take a break, everybody. Okay. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the yep. Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to catch up with an old friend of mine. Stephen Mosher is uh, over at the Population Research Institute, and it's the best website, pop.org, pop.org, Population Research Institute. So much information there. Uh, Stephen himself is incredibly uh, successful writer, uh, commentator. He has been writing on this issue. In fact, uh, I meant to, I, well, I'll tell him, I was um, I was watching, I forget what, with my kids, um, and they were talking about how there's been oh no it was a different uh, different author who sent me a book on uh, environmentalism we were talking about how the number of times there's been these his, this hysteria over x or y and uh, one of them that i remembered so well is the late phyllis schlafly talking about how there were a set of people who were back in the 70s talking about overpopulation and we must therefore change dramatically what we're doing including uh, abortion as well as as uh, the um uh, as a contraceptive, contraceptives, and uh, Stephen Mosher has been working on this, especially by the way in China, where he spent a uh, time early in his career in the late 1970s, uh, and he's written on that a bunch. He's written a number of books, bestsellers, uh, and so uh, one of them, which is what I really wanted to refer us to, because there's been talk of this. The book that I'm referring to is a mother's ordeal: one woman's fight against China's one-child policy. So if you watched closely, I think it was the Wall Street Journal over the weekend front page article on China relaxing their policy on the number of children. Now, Stephen Mosher, before we get to the underlying policy, how often do the Chinese spin the world press to try to look like they're being reasonable? Isn't this? Fe it feels like they're trying to sort of <laughs> change their PR. Isn't that a big part of what China does? Well, of course, it's all propaganda. The Chinese Communist Party has no regard for the truth. Uh, it tells what serves its own purposes. And it may be true, it may be partly true, it may be completely false, it doesn't matter. The truth, the reality is irrelevant. It is only what serves the party's interests. And, and so, uh, you know, you have to take everything, not just with a grain of salt from China, but with the whole uh, shaker. It's all politics all the time. And, of course, we can talk about how that's becoming true in America, true, uh, as well, sadly. But uh, the Chinese Communist Party is past masters at this thing. Uh, Chairman Mao said a long time ago that... Uh, the Chinese Communist Party has three magic weapons. Uh, it has the People's Liberation Army, of course, to kill people when they revolt. But it also has propaganda and united front tactics. 
And propaganda is very important because that's how you brainwash people. The Communist Party invented brainwashing way back in the 1930s, and and that's what uh, propaganda is really all about, is creating an alternate reality in the minds of the Chinese people and people around the world to advance the the interest of the Chinese Communist Party. They're very good at it. We're talking... Yeah, they sure are. And, okay, let me pause on that front and ask you, cause, because, again, we're talking with Stephen Mosher, who's got experience living in China, observing China, all these things. Um, I've been saying for a while that the power of big tech, along with media, which has gone sort of shamelessly into brainwashing, you know, the cable news and all, and big government. And actually, I was corrected by a friend of mine. He said big, big, uh, big academia is in there. But let's just focus for a yeah. second. And you just mentioned propaganda, Stephen. The power of big tech and big media to define what we know. Because what we see and what we are, are is affirmed to us is what we know. A lot of people are, are, are conditioned now to know stuff and, and, and it's, it's through the media and through big tech. And why wouldn't China? They, they've got their finger in big business. They've got their finger in big academia. They've got their finger in, not more than their finger. They've got their money in, right? And they got all over the world. They've got their, uh, their, their, their money, tons and tons of money in big infrastructure and the Belt and Road Initiative. How is it? Don't you agree? And maybe you can expound on this, that the communist regime guaranteed they're using big tech and big media against us in any way they can, which is very sophisticated. Well, there, there's no question about it. I mean, they've honed their skills over the past 70 years of controlling 1.4 billion people in China, and they're using the same techniques around the world. They literally have uh, thousands, tens of thousands of people. Uh, they're called Wumao. They get paid 50 cents a post to try to dominate Instagram and Twitter with pro-China messages. Of course, Instagram and Twitter and all the other American-made social media outlets are banned in China. Uh, but, of course, China tries to use them to advance its propaganda interests overseas. Uh, then you've got the Thousand Talents Program, which we should really call, you know, the 10,000 Talents Program or the 100,000 Talents Program because they're recruiting people left and right in the United States to serve their interests. Uh, by offering them uh, scholarships, by offering them uh, all-expense-paid trips to China, uh, by giving donations to their universities, uh, for supposedly for research, which is actually for espionage. So it is a no-holds-barred effort. They're spending over, well, they've recently increased their budget for these kinds of things by billions and billions of dollars. So they're putting big money into the idea that they can compromise and undermine American society. And unfortunately, they're finding a lot of uh, people on this side of the Pacific uh, willing to go along with them for uh, and and be bought off for for peanuts, literally. It is amazing to see that part of it, Stephen. And I, and I have to say, and, and you know, you kind of shake your head. And again, we're talking with Stephen Mosher, and, and again, pop.org, uh, the Population Research Institute. There's a lot more we're going to get to, I promise. But you know, talking about the communist regime in China, you were there in '79. It's before the Cold War ended with the Soviets, where we all recognized by the late '80s, as the wall fell, and then early '90s when the, the when the Soviet Union burst apart, they had been using every possible infiltration. They had used spies. They had used uh, money investments. They had used every Everything. And now we're somehow, somehow are wondering why we think the communist Chinese, well, they might be taking advantage of us in international trade. No, no, they're, 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 there's no way the communists don't go all out in every way. But let me pause. I want to get to the important conversation here. The Chinese regime 
And the Chinese vision was one child policy. They're relaxing that. Walk us through what this means. What does it really mean? Does it, is it really sort of, uh, are they really sort of altruistic? They want people to have big families? I don't think so. Do they really, isn't there a factor here that they don't want to have, uh, I don't think they want to have more girls, right? So walk us through what the one child, a child policy is, is yielding to and if it means anything that we're being told. Well, let, let's start with uh, uh, what happened 40 years ago when I was in China. They announced a one-child policy. They began arresting women for the crime of being pregnant. They hauled them off to abortion centers. The women were, in some cases, six, seven, eight, nine months pregnant. Uh, babies were being killed at birth uh, by infanticide. They were being killed by lethal injection and then uh, delivered, quote-unquote, uh, by cesarean section abortion. So that was going on. Uh, I was an eyewitness to that when I was in China back in 1981-80. And uh, that continued for decades. They only abandoned the one-child policy in 2016. And the reason they abandoned it was not because they started having moral qualms about forced abortion, forced sterilization, female infanticide, all the rest. They abandoned it because they began in 2016 to have a labor shortage. And all of a sudden, the Mm. geniuses who run the Chinese Communist Party sat up and took notice and thought, uh, maybe we need more workers and soldiers in the future. Maybe it wasn't such a good idea to kill off 400 million of the most productive enterprising people in the world uh, in utero. Uh, that's what they did, of course, for up until 2016. They were bragging about the success of their one-child policy and saying that they've filled up more people in China than the entire population of the United States, which is true. And until 2016, they thought they were better off. Now they realize they have a problem. Their population is aging and now dying this year. And the population of China... They're not admitting it. Of course, they don't admit anything. Their population is beginning to decline for the first time. They're actually filling more coffins than cradles in China this year, and that will only accelerate in the future. China's population is aging more rapidly than any human population has ever aged. So what do they do? Well, in 2016, they said, well, you know, you can have a second child. Nobody wanted to have a second child in China. Why? Because 40 years of one-child, anti-natal, anti-child propaganda had done their work. Young people don't want to get married in China. To get married, they don't want to have more than one child, if they even have one. So now they're going to a three-child policy. But here's what's on the horizon. What's on the horizon is they're already saying in internal party documents that young Communist Party members should have three children and that contraceptives should be banned. And that if they don't have three children, they shouldn't be promoted. So the party is supposed to lead the way in everything, right? That's the way communist systems work. Well, Communist Party members are told they must lead by example and have three children. What happens in the party will soon happen in the country at large. They're going to be enforcing forced pregnancy, I predict, before very much more time passes. I don't know if people are familiar with uh, The Handmaid's Tale, but The Handmaid's Tale is going to come to life in China, I predict, in the years to come. There's going to be forced pregnancy. Young women will be told, you will get married, uh, you will have three children. The trouble with that is that they've killed off so many baby girls in China that there is so few young women of childbearing age in China that even if every young woman gets married and has three children, it won't be enough to offset the population decline. So... You know, I see I see lots of coercion coming, not to stop people from having children, which was what happened in decades past, but to force young women to have children. What will the feminists do then, Ed? Yeah. 
I, I, and that's this is an amazing thing for all the times that I tell people that we have to worry about China and the communist regime. It's mostly because they're so ruthless; they'll do anything, and their their values oh, yeah. will be uh, will be. But but I also they have real problems, right? I mean, you cannot. The Soviet Union discovered this. You cannot run a communist regime with hundreds of millions. In the case of one point two billion, and you know, and go very well. Hey, unfortunately, Stephen, I have to go. I'm out of time, but I want to have you back. I'll, I'll line it up to get you back. This is an important topic. People are kind of missing it. Stephen Mosier is over at uh, the Population Research Institute, POP.org. Thank you for your time, sir. No, thank you, Ed. Great show. All right. Okay, thank you, sir. We'll, we'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Major League Baseball shamefully pandered to leftists by pulling the 2021 All-Star Game out of Georgia. The move came on the heels of a new law designed to prevent voter fraud in the Peach State. The left calls the law racist, yet Democrats are the ones who falsely claim black people are too ignorant to know how to get a photo ID. It's sad to see the MLB fall for these crazy leftist talking points. Trump's strong response in calling for a boycott of MLB deserves a standing ovation. Texas Governor Greg Abbott hit a home run by announcing that Texas will no longer seek to host MLB events. Liberals pressured MLB and other corporations about the Georgia law so that they could, quote, stop what happened in Georgia from happening in other states, end quote, as Democrat Stacey Abrams admitted. Election integrity bills similar to Georgia's are being considered in other states, and leftists are enlisting executives to try to stop this good legislation. With so much noxious political posturing going on, it's no wonder sports stadiums have been slowly emptying for the last decade. Believe me on this, their troubles began long before COVID came along. The successful Atlanta Braves team, which has repeatedly won its division, properly repudiated the pullout of the All-Star game from Georgia. It just stinks, declared veteran Atlanta pitcher Charlie Morton in criticism of the pullout. The Braves organization said it was deeply disappointed by the pullout decision and that businesses, employees, and fans in Georgia are the victims of this decision. Donald Trump piled on by adding, It's finally time for Republicans and conservatives to fight back. We have more people than they do by far. Boycott Major League Baseball, Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, J.P. Morgan Chase, Viacom CBS, Citigroup, Cisco, UPS, and Merck. Don't go back to their products. No politician before Trump has ever had the guts he does in taking on corporations and crony capitalism. Not even Teddy Roosevelt stood up against so many powerful, entrenched corporate interests. Baseball does not belong to a few overpaid executives and wealthy owners, and its commissioner should resign. The sport belongs to the fans, to the volunteers, and to the grassroots. We ought to reclaim baseball for our own before these bigwigs ruin it forever. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I, we need to finish up today. Uh, Burgess Owens. Burgess Owens is a great man. He is a um, incredible story. Um, I love uh, I love having him on uh, on my radio show. I had him on uh, my TV program with the Collegians, Phyllis Schlafly Collegians Summit. Um, played in the Super Bowl with the Raiders, won a Super Bowl ring with the uh, Oakland Raiders, played at the University of Miami, football player. Uh, I think his position was cornerback. He might have played safety in um, in the NFL. And then he was a businessman. He has six children, 15 grandchildren, and last year he was elected to the United States Congress. He happens to be an African-American. He also happens to be a devout uh, uh, Mormon and a great guy and a great communicator. And earlier today, he tweeted, uh, very simply, a story about uh, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, Democrat from Rhode Island, who belongs to an all-white club. All-white club. And all Burgess Owens said was, um, yeah, photo ID for voting is supposed to be Jim Crow, uh, but all-white uh, beach club, did I say golf club? I meant beach club. All-white beach club in Rhode Island in 2021, um, that's what, progress? And my answer to you all is, the people who are racist in this country, the group of people that are racist, not not who talk about it, not who wear dumb t-shirts, not who you or I or someone else tries to read their mind. The people whose conduct is racist are white Democrats. And let me prove it to you. Sheldon Whitehouse, what racist? He's a racist. White Democrat, racist. He's a racist. You belong to a whites, you belong to a whites only beach club in 2021. You, you're racist. Period. Here's another group. Every single city that has a school board, it is controlled by white Democrats, almost entirely, a few blacks, a few black Democrats too, but almost entirely white Democrats. Think about St. Louis, Detroit, Washington, D.C., all these places. And you know what? The school systems in those urban centers are racist. The only, the only people in this country that are racist, you can say as a group, are white Democrats. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Sheldon Whitehouse, perfect example. The people who filibustered to stop the civil rights bill 50 years ago, white Democrats. Okay, you don't have to go far to figure out who's the racist. And the standard trick, and we just heard it a few moments ago from David Horowitz, is the left tries to tell to, to say to blame the other people for the things they are. So they say, "Huh, you're racist." No, no, there's there's no there's no evidence that white Republicans, white conservatives are racist. Go to it. Go to an evangelical church and see in 2021 if they are not interested in welcoming any person who wants to embrace uh, uh, accept Jesus Christ as a personal savior. Go and see. You can go anywhere in this country. There'll be black people, white people, orange people, purple people, uh, Asian people, African American, Hispanic American. There'll be whatever. Pick a top, pick a type. And in a church, conservative church a christian church not a goofy church not one of them i mean the goofy ones may have lots of people too but go to a go to an evangelical so you'd say conservative probably republican voting and see what's there it's not racist but go to your go to an inner city go to st louis st louis around the st louis school board are the enablers the school teachers union white democrats the mayors actually the mayor in st louis is now an african-american woman she's brand new but the, the mayors up till now white democrats the people that are in charge of the of the uh, of the of the political scene in st louis that influences the school board and the and the board of uh, of the education white democrats the racists in this country are white democrats 
period, including, by the way, Joe Biden, including the people that promote all this uh, this uh, critical race theory. As I told you before, critical race theory, it is racist, but that's not as important as it is demeaning to kids. It tells kids you're one of two things. You're either an absolute loser, a victim. If you're black, you're a victim. Or if you're not black, you're a bigot. Now, if you teach kids to be anything other than loved and uh, and and have a, a bright future, you're doing damage to them. But when you do it that way, tell them they're victims over and over again. You do, by the way, if you do it to adults, it feels bad and it doesn't it doesn't bode well for them. But you do it to kids, devastating. Anyway, back to my point. Burgess Owens tweets this about Sheldon Whitehouse. How in in 2021? Imagine if Senator Rand Paul or Senator Rick Scott. Here's a good one, Senator Rick Scott. Rich guy of Florida. It was revealed that in Florida, he belonged to an all-white beach club. Imagine what would happen. Can you picture it? Imagine if Donald Trump, Donald Trump, when he took possession of Mar-a-Lago, he demanded that they let, that they make, they change the rules so it become integrated. He did that. They're just hypocrisy is not a distinguishing characteristic in uh, in this moment in in history. All right, uh, but there we are. So uh, check out Burgess Owens on Twitter. Great stuff. I'll put it up on social media. He is uh, he is a leader. I think he's a coming man. I want to tell you something. You want me a prediction? What day is today? It's um I'm, I'm, I I'm I'll let's say June. Let's go to this. June of 2021. Let me be the first one to say it. Burgess Owens will be the vice presidential candidate in 2024. How about that? Somebody write that down. Okay. All right, everybody. We got to take a break. Oh, we got to take a break. We're going to finish up. I want to say thank you to our great technical director and producer, Noah Dingley. Uh, he also uh, produces uh, Andrea K. Show, and I filled in for her, and he's a big help. So thank you, Noah, for everything you do. Thank you to Joanna uh, for booking the great guests, and thank you for listening. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, sign up there for the daily email as well as get all these interviews as standalone links. And we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back, in, uh, back tomorrow. See ya. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.